Mark chapter 4, beginning at verse 35. That day, when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, good day, everyone. Uh, Good to see you here. My name is Scott. I'm one of the pastors at Trinity Church, Monbury. Um, I just want to add, firstly, my welcome to Brian's and say, G'day. So glad you're here. And whether you've been here a hundred times before, whether it's your first time, uh, it's really good to be here together. As Brian said, last year our church went around, we asked our friends this one question. If you could ask God one thing, what would it be? It was great. We um, we loved hearing the the questions our friends wanted to ask God. Some of them were really intriguing. Perhaps actually you might be here today and you're one of the friends that answered us, told us your question for God. And uh, on behalf of our church, I just want to say thank you. Um, Thanks for engaging with us. We loved it. Um, and, And we're really glad that you're here with us again today. And so then today we're starting this short series in church. Most of the time in our church, we'll actually open up the Bible uh, and just read through uh, a Bible and talk about uh, the Bible as it comes to us in the different books. But we're going to start something different. For the next four weeks, we're looking at these top four most common questions for God. Uh, uh, Over the next few weeks, we're going to ask things like, Hey God, why am I here? Uh, Hey God, what's the future got in store for us? Why is the world so messed up, God? But today, we're asking this question. Hey, God, are you really there? And when you think about it, this really is the first question we should be asking, isn't it? Because if God's not there, what's the point of asking him anything else? What's the point even of listening to God? In fact, some of our friends got this. So, uh, occasionally, one of us would, would come up and ask our friend, what, if you could ask God one thing, what would it be? And our friends didn't have a question for God, and instead they said something like, well, I don't think God is there, so I, I wouldn't ask him anything. Uh, have you ever had one of those moments when you're on your phone, and you're talking along, and you kind of realize for the last 10 to 15 seconds, you haven't heard any sound from the person on the other end? Never happened to you? Yeah? And you're not sure what to do. Should you keep talking or, 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 or do you stop? And eventually you just got to ask, uh, is anyone there? That's happened, right? It's not just me. And when you realize the phone's actually dropped out, what do you do? Whatever you do, you don't keep on talking to no one because there's nobody there, nobody to hear you, nobody to respond to you. To, to keep talking would be absurd. Which again, that's why today's question is so important. If God's not there, what's the point of asking anything at all? It would be absurd, wouldn't it? But, 
of course, if God is there, then it would be absurd not to listen. Now, before we go any further, I should say something about myself. Uh, often this question of, does God exist? Are you, are you really there, God? Often this, this question is something that uh, scientists will wrestle with from a scientific point of view, or philosophers will wrestle with from a philosophy point of view. And I just want to be upfront and say, I'm not a scientist, nor am I a philosopher. I'm someone who's convinced that the God of the Bible really is there. So what I wanted to do today is just, just point us to what God would say about himself. And while we can be convinced, he is there. Uh, so here's the plan for today. Uh, there's an outline in your leaflet. Uh, if you've got one of those leaflets and like to follow along like that, then that's there. But firstly, I want to look at some big clues for God's existence. And then secondly, I want to look at the, the, the one thing that God really wants us to see. But before I get there, I do just want to make this quick point. Uh, belief in God does not make you stupid. Now, that might sound a little bit defensive, and I'm sorry if I kind of come across that way. Um, but that can be the perception that you get today, that you'd be a fool to think this kind of thing is true. And so if you believe in God, or if you're wondering, maybe should I believe in God? You can be left with the feeling that you, you're alone, that, that nobody else does that anymore, so you'd be stupid to jump in with them. But actually the statistics tell us a different story. Uh, in, the t- in 2009, the Australian Survey of Social Attitudes, that's a tongue twister, Uh, The Australian Survey of Social Attitudes showed that 71% of Australians, 71% believed in a God of some kind. Not all of them believed in the God of the Bible, but there is a belief in God there. In that same year, uh, Nielsen did a a survey, and in their survey, they found that 68% of Australians believed. So the numbers don't differ terribly from these two different studies. A lot of Australians believe in God. Now, of course, that doesn't prove that God is there. Just because a lot of people believe something, it doesn't make it true. But I think it's worth saying this up front. Because it means that if you're wondering, or if you do get convinced that God maybe is there, I want to say you're not alone. Plenty of Australians actually agree with you. But enough on that. Now I want to move on to the main course, uh, here's the first big point I want to make today. There are clues all around us that God is there. There are clues all around us that God is there. So often when we ask if God really does exist, we're looking for proof. The knockdown, once-for-all argument, that means there cannot be any other possibility, uh, something that no one can deny, that any sensible person would have to believe If such a thing existed, if such a proof existed, we wouldn't actually be asking this question at all, would we? Because all of us would be believers, or or none of us would be believers. But having said that, there are clues dotted throughout our world. Things that should make us stop and think twice before we say that God is just a fairy tale. I I wanted to just just run a couple past you. Here's one of those clues. It's the first cause clue. Uh, In our world, everything has a beginning. 
I wasn't always here. Uh, the tree out the back door, it wasn't always there. We, we were brought about, we began to exist because something else happened first. Uh, the tree out the back was caused by another tree dropping a seed that somehow eventually fell into the ground and over time it grew up into be the tree out the back. I wasn't always here either. I was caused... Actually, let's leave that for another time. <laughs> but the natural things in our world, they all have a beginning. And all our beginnings are caused by something else beforehand. But it leaves you with the question, doesn't it? What's the first cause behind it all? What started everything else off? It has to be something that's unlike anything else we know because it can't have a beginning. So what is it? What started everything? What's the first cause? Perhaps here we have a clue pointing us to God. Here's another clue. The fine-tuning clue. Uh, I, I want to start and explain this by confessing I am not into cars. I, don't, I can drive a car all right, uh, but I, if the car doesn't work, if something goes wrong, I don't know how to fix it. Look, even if we get a flat tyre, I'm pretty useless. Lucky my wife is not so useless. Uh, she can fix it, but I married well, didn't I? Uh, I've got no idea about cars. But I do know with cars there are... There are certain conditions that they need to work. There has to be petrol in the tank. Uh, there has to be oil in the, the oil thingy. What is, what is it? Uh, the, there has to be a, a working engine under the hood somewhere. And, and so on and so on and so on. And if just one part of the car is out of whack, if one part isn't working like it should, the whole car doesn't work. And as far as I can read, the universe is like this too. Scientists tell us there are certain conditions that allow the universe to, to work, without which uh, it, it wouldn't. Things like uh, the speed of light being at a certain, uh, at a, being a certain speed, uh, the gravitational constant not being too much different to what it is. Uh, these are stuff that physicists love that often I don't quite understand. But if just one of these was slightly out, if the dial was turned just a little bit up on one or, or, or down on another, if anything was slightly out, then everything else would be kaput. See, to allow for life in the universe, things have to be so finely tuned. And it is. And you might think, well, how lucky are we? And maybe you could. You could just write yourself as being really lucky. But... Let me uh, give you an analogy here. Imagine for a moment you're playing a game of poker and there's a dealer there and the dealer deals himself a royal flush. And you think, oh man, that was lucky. But then uh, you start another round of poker and the dealer deals himself a royal flush again and again and again. And the dealer deals himself a royal flush ten times in a row. Now, you could just look across the table and smile at him nicely and say, oh man, you are having a really lucky day, aren't you? But more likely you're going to say, no, hang on, you're cheating. Because odds like that just don't come up, do they? 
There's, there's got to be some kind of design behind it, some kind of cheating that's going into manufacture the outcome. And the universe is like that, so finely tuned, and it makes you wonder, this really can't be luck, can it? Can it? Maybe it's a clue pointing towards God. Have a look on the screen at what one English theoretical physicist said. Talked about this fine tuning is too remarkable to be dismissed as a happy accident. What do you reckon? Just blind luck or a clue for God? I think I have time for, for one more clue in the world. Um, morality, the morality clue. Uh, we have a sense of right and wrong, don't we? Of, of good and evil. But why? Why can I say that something is right or, or that something is evil? You know, sure, there might be things that we agree on together. But what about when we disagree And the classic case is, what about when one culture disagrees with another? Recently, the BBC, uh, the UK public broadcaster, has run a number of articles on uh, child sacrifice in Uganda. We'd say that's wrong, wouldn't we? Horribly. But who are we to say that's wrong? just because they live in a different culture with different norms. Maybe here's another example. Um, Nazi Germany. Hitler thought he was doing something good. He thought the concentration camps were a good thing for society. But he was wrong, isn't he? He's horribly wrong. We'd say that, and rightly so, those, those concentration camps are a grave, grave evil. But what gives us the right to say it was evil? I mean, if we're just products of good luck and happy coincidence, if there's no higher being, if there's no God, then who are we to say it's evil? It's just our perspective versus his perspective. And who's to say ours is more valid or more right? Of course, none of us believe that, do we? Deep down we know it was wrong. It was horrible wrong. It was evil. Which I think means that we've got to say then, there's something higher that we're appealing to. This isn't just humans making up and deciding amongst ourselves. Because if that were the case, we'd have different levels of saying what's right and wrong. But we're we're confident that we can say, no, that was wrong. So again, we have another clue, a clue that suggests there is a higher being. A clue that points us in the direction of God. Now, there are more clues like this. I haven't got time right now to run through them all. But things like we have a sense of meaning and purpose. uh, Something that we'll deal with a bit more next week. Things like the fact that we experience uh, conscious thought in our minds and and, and other things. Like I said, I don't have time to mention uh, most of them now and go through them. It's it's true that as sceptical folks... Uh, hear these kind of clues, they say it proves nothing. At at each one they'll go, no, I'm not convinced. No, I'm not convinced. No, I'm not convinced. And perhaps you're here today and that's you, that 
um, you hear these kind of things and you remain unconvinced about God. So what's the point of me bringing them up? Um, well, I said before, like I, th- th- these are more like clues than proofs. And with each individual clue, you might be able to say, yeah, no. But when you put them all together, and I noted I've only really put three on the table, um, and I'm happy to point you to more resources if you need to, 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 to look with full explanations and more clues. But, but once you put all these clues together, you've got a case that can't be easily dismissed. There are enough clues around us that means we need to at least give God a second thought, to dig a little deeper, to, to check him out a bit more. A little later on, I'm going to suggest one way that we can do that. Before we get there, though, I want to move on to our second big point for today. Uh, the question for today is a question that's directed at God. We're saying, hey, God, are you really there? That is, we're asking, what would God say in response to this? And in some sense, God would point to those clues that we talked about before. God will point to the world around us where we see these clues. The Bible tells us, in the, in the Bible, God tells us that the heavens declare his glory, that the skies uh, speak out of, of the world that he made and that he is the maker of that world. God does want us to look around us and see the clues there. But actually, God says, I've got something far more important, far more compelling for you to put your eyes on. God says, we can know he's there because Jesus was here. That's the second big point for today. God says, we can know he, was, he is there because Jesus was here amongst us. Uh, when I was living in New South Wales, I met a woman and we got to talking about God. Uh, and her take on God was that the, the religions of the world, they're all really believing in the same thing. And she used an elephant to explain what she meant. She said, imagine there's three blind people and each of them is touching a different part of the elephant. The first one's holding onto the trunk and, the, and, and, and he says, oh, God is soft and wrinkly and squishy. But there's another one that's holding onto the elephant's leg and he says, oh, God is wrinkly, but he's not soft and squishy. He's hard and firm and heavy. And, and finally, there's a third blind guy holding on to the tail of the elephant. And he says, no, you're both wrong. God is small and narrow and got a fluffy bit on the end. You see the point she's making, right? Religious people are really, she's saying, religious people are really all experiencing the same thing, that is God, but they're just experiencing different things about him, the trunk, the leg, the tail. And none of, the, none of the, those men are wrong. It's just that they haven't got the full picture yet. I would have agreed with her. I would have said, yes, you are right. Except for one thing. The elephant has spoken. The elephant has spoken to the blind men. See, Christianity isn't claiming to simply be an experience of God. 
Christianity is saying that God has spoken. God has told us what he's like. In fact, God has stepped down into our world so that we can see him. We're not blind men describing something that we're feeling. We are those that God has come to. We're those that God has spoken to, which is why Jesus is so important. That's why Jesus is the crucial piece of the puzzle. You know, Jesus has a lot to say about God. He tells us what God is like and what pleases God. And, but it's more than that. Jesus actually claims to be God himself. Jesus taught with the wisdom and authority of God. So much so that when they heard him teach, the people of the time were amazed. Jesus also did the kind of things that only God could do. Uh, we read an example of this before. Uh, in the middle of a, a, a raging storm, a furious storm, just with a couple of words, Jesus brought about c- complete calm. And what were the others in the boat left saying? They said, who is this? This is not what a normal human can do. Who is this? Jesus teaches with the authority of God. He, he does the things that only God can do. And actually, in his own words, Jesus claims something huge. That part of the Bible we just read before is from a book called Mark. Um, Mark is a, one of the books in the Bible. It's a, kind of like a biography written about Jesus' life. No prizes for guessing the name of the guy who wrote it. Um, but just a little earlier in the book... Mark captured another moment of Jesus' life. Uh, There's a paralyzed guy who wanted to get healed, so his friends brought him to Jesus. And he he makes a dramatic entrance through the roof because there wasn't uh, a way for him to come through the door. There were so many people crammed in to see Jesus. And when he comes through the the, the ceiling, um, everyone's kind of waiting with bated breath, looking forward to seeing what Jesus is going to do. Jesus is going to heal this guy, isn't he? That's what we've heard he does. But Jesus does something different. Have a look on the screens. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the friends, when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. This is a huge moment. Most of us look on and go, So what? Uh, anyone can say things like that. So, so what? But the real kicker comes next. Now, some of the teachers of the law, those are religious guys, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there and thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? In Jesus' time, in his culture... The idea of forgiving someone's sins, that was not something that humans did. That was something that God did, and only God did. Which is exactly what those religious leaders recognize. So what does Jesus do at this point? Does he back down? Does he say, oh, sorry, it was just a slip of the tongue. I didn't mean to say that. It was just a little mistake. Can we we pass over it? No, he did nothing of the sort. 
In fact, he went on to heal the guy as proof that he was one who had authority, had the authority to forgive sins. You see the claim that Jesus is making about himself here? Jesus is claiming to be God. The way he teaches, the things he does, the claims he makes about himself. In every way, Jesus screams out to us, I am God. Uh, if you, you wander out on the streets today, although pr- today is probably not a great day to do it, but if you wander out on the streets and you were to ask people, look, what would make you believe in God? What do you reckon most people would say? What would most people say? Uh, from those that I've asked, most of them tend to say something like this. Look, if God came down and stood in front of me and I saw him and felt him and touched him, then I guess then I'd believe. Have you heard something like that as well? Maybe you think that, too. Of course, that's just the thing, isn't it, though? God has come down. He has stood amongst us. He's walked and lived and done life beside us. And he's done that in the person of Jesus. If you want to know God is there, look at Jesus. Do you remember that song from the 90s? And asked the question, what if God was one of us? Do you remember it? I won't sing it to you. Uh, You're grateful for that, yes. Um, What if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? The thing is, we don't have to wonder what God will be like. We can know. Because in Jesus, we have God who's come down amongst us, who's lived and breathed and walked amongst us. Of course, the issue is, I, I didn't see him though. God may have come down, but I wasn't there. I didn't see it. How can I be sure? It didn't happen in front of me. Why should I believe? But I want to say, there are at least three reasons why we shouldn't give up on Jesus just yet. Here's the first one. Virtually every ancient historian agrees that Jesus did exist. Like there's, no, there's no real question about it from those who know, from those who study these kind of things. Jesus was a real person. There's an ancient historian. He's got his PhD in ancient history. His name is John Dixon. Um, in 2011, he tweeted out this challenge. If anyone can find a full professor of classics, ancient history, or New Testament in any accredited university in the world who thinks that Jesus never lived, I will eat a page of my Bible. Uh, Thus far, his Bible remains completely intact. Because Jesus really was a person. He really did live. uh, He really did uh, walk around. He really did die amongst us. And we have so many historical documents, Christian and not Christian, that both say he did. But it's more than that. It's more than that Jesus really existed. See, you could agree that Jesus really did live all that time ago, but you could say, yeah... The Bible's account of history, though, I don't know. Uh, It just doesn't seem right. Maybe it's not accurate. Maybe it's been changed over time. We can't trust it, really, can we? But in fact, the the documentary evidence we have for the Bible, for for saying that it's accurate, that it hasn't been changed over time, the evidence we have is massive. It's astounding. In fact, the evidence we have for the, the, the person of Jesus is better than any ancient historical figure 
including guys like, like Julius Caesar. Uh, the evidence that we have for the Bible um, not changing over time is bigger than anything. Even the, the, things about, the documents we have about Caesar's wars that we take for granted and we take for history. And when you think about it, it makes sense that we do have the Bible, doesn't it? It just, it just makes sense that people who experienced Jesus, who saw him, wrote down things about him. Think about it like this. If God were to come down in front of you, and if he were to say to you, I'm God, I'm going to live here with you for a, for a year. I want you to see me. I want you to know me. And at the end of that year, you'd believe, right? You'd be convinced you believe. And more than that, though, if you become convinced that God really is God and he really is there, well, you'd want your kids to know too, wouldn't you? And you'd want your grandkids to know. And maybe you'd be around long enough to tell them. But eventually, there's going to come, become more and more people who aren't, you aren't going to meet. And you still want them to know because if God is God, it's important that they know. So what do you do? You, you, you write it down. You write down what happened. You make a record so that others can know that God is there. Which is exactly what happened, isn't it? People met Jesus face to face. They walked and they did life with him for three years. They were convinced this is God come down amongst us. So they wrote it down. They wanted others to know. Friends, that they wanted us to know. Which means that we're left with that same question the disciples had on the boat that night. Jesus had calmed the storm and they sat stunned and they said, Who is this? Could it, could it really be that he is God? And in the end, everything they saw, everything they heard, in their time of living with Jesus, it convinced them. Yes. What do you think? Are you ready to take a closer look at Jesus? Because it's in Jesus that we meet our God. Are you ready to see if Jesus really could be the one that he says he is? Why not come along to the Life Series? This is something our church will put on uh, a few times in the year. We'll just spend five nights together. We'll have coffee, have dessert together. And we'll consider the claims that Jesus makes. Claims about himself, about God, about us, about things like sin and forgiveness, meaning and purpose. Things about life being good and having the good life. We'll just... Lay our cards on the table. You can get involved in discussion as much as you want or you can just kind of sit back and take it in. We, we want it to be a, a relaxed way to wrestle with some big things. We wanted, as a church, we wanted to invite you along. If you're one of our guests today, we wanted to invite you along. It's going to start on February the 5th. There'll be five Tuesday nights. Uh, all the details are in the leaflets that you got when you walked in the door. 
But I wanted to invite you along. See, we started by saying that it would be absurd to ask God anything or to listen to him if he's not really there. But if he is there, it's absurd to do nothing. If he is there, it's absurd to do nothing about it. I don't know where you sit right now. I don't know how convincing or unconvincing you found today. But the implications for this question are huge. They are, they are life-changing. So don't you owe it to yourself to just dig a little deeper into Jesus. To just dig a little deeper and see, can I, can I really trust what's said about him? Can I be convinced that he's there? Is Jesus really who he says he is? Because if you want to know if God is there, Jesus is the place you need to look. I'm about to pray. For some of us here, that might be a bit strange. We've never been around people who've prayed before. But for those of us who are convinced about Jesus, it's kind of appropriate that that's what we do right now. Uh, Just to say thanks to God that we can know him through Jesus. Um, That's what I'm going to do. Pray with me if you'd like to. Our God in heaven, we are so thankful that we can know you and see what you're like when we look at Jesus. We thank you even for those glimpses that we've caught of him today. He's the one who has the power to still storms and stop waves. He's the one who has authority to forgive sin and bring about new life with you. Father, convict our hearts, we pray, no matter where we're at. Convict us more and more of how important and central Jesus is for our lives and help us to not neglect him, but to give him the right place in our lives. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.